Welcome to episode 128 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am super grateful that you have chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 128th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, or maybe even change your life. I sometimes receive emails from listeners, readers, and social media community members in which they're wondering about something that has to do with their introversion, and they're just looking for my um, thoughts or resources or insights. And there's one I received this week that I've been asked many, many times, especially during the Q&A part of my live presentations. And this question came from Tom, who is a podcast listener, and he asked, Is it normal to switch between being an extrovert and introvert at different stages of our lives? I recall being a quiet introvert type as a teenager, but then transformed into an uber social extrovert in my 20s. But now in my 30s, I'm most definitely an introvert again. Not sure if this is normal with others. Here's how I responded to Tom and what I want to share with you. The short answer to that question is yes and no. (laughs) Um, The long answer is that there's more than a bit of the which is it nature or nurture question in this um, response. I've come to believe that when it comes to our energy and our personality, it's not an either or situation, but a both and. I think we have a core energy and a cultivated energy. And what's core more or less stays core throughout our lives. It's connected to how we are hardwired, with introverts being naturally more sensitive to stimuli in our environment, um, especially social stimuli, as in, you know, lots of conversations with others, lots of interaction with people, um, even extending to getting overstimulated in crowds and other things. Now, this is different from being a highly sensitive person which um, is a more physiological response to stimuli. This has to do with our energetic response. And because we're naturally overstimulated, we we get more easily oversaturated. And that's one reason why we need our solitude and our quiet time to recharge. Um, We need to dial back the stimulation and the noise so that our brains can function clearly again. But when it comes to the nurture part of the equation, we cultivate um, the opposite, and I put opposite in quotes because it's not really an opposite, but a complementary energy in order to bring some balance to our lives. And when we do that, sometimes it can feel like we're switching teams. (laughs) Um, I also think that we're influenced by our environment and societal norms, which can take the lead in determining which way we show up. And in our 20s, we're often finding out who we are. You know, we're putting ourselves out there, we're testing the waters, um, especially with different people. And it's almost mandated that we put ourselves out there and be super social. But once we find our people and we find our groove, like where we fit in, we're probably going to be more firmly rooted in what comes naturally, whether that's introversion, extroversion, or somewhere in between. I hear a lot anecdotally that people who were more extroverted in their youth become more introverted as they mature. I think that means that they were either introverted to start with and didn't know it, or they succumbed to those societal norms or had to act more extroverted to fit in with their family or their school environment, or they just got more comfortable in their own skin. You know, perhaps they were extroverts, but they got more comfortable in their own skin and developed a been there, done that attitude when it came to socializing and are happy with small circles of friends and ample alone time. 
They don't become introverts so much as start to appreciate the natural introvert that was already in them and pushed off to the side all of those social years. They still thrive on social interaction and get energy from it, but they don't need as much of it, or it's more about quality over quantity. So what's been your experience? I'll share this question on my Facebook page, which you can find by searching for The Introvert Entrepreneur on Facebook. And thank you so much to Tom for reaching out with the question. If you have a question that you'd like to be addressed in this podcast, then you can reach me at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. My guest for this episode is Stephanie Chandler, and we're going to be talking about what role a book can play in boosting your business and what's involved in deciding what direction to go with that book. Stephanie is the author of several books, including The Nonfiction Book Marketing Plan, Online and Offline Promotion Strategies to Build Your Audience and Sell More Books. She is also CEO of the Nonfiction Authors Association, a vibrant educational community for trailblazing writers, and the Nonfiction Writers Conference, an annual event conducted entirely online. A frequent speaker at business events and on the radio, she has been featured in Entrepreneur, Business Week, and Wired Magazine. You'll find information on how to connect with Stephanie, as well as links to her Introvert Island book selections, in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast, Stephanie. I am delighted to be chatting with you today. Thank you, Beth. It's wonderful to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? Oh my gosh, everything. The sun is out in California, and you know what? I'm having a great week. I'm on top of my to-do list, which feels really awesome, so that's mm-hmm. what I'm really psyched about right now. Excellent. It's it's always feels good to feel like you're in front of things instead of always totally. running behind. <laughs> well, um, to give our listeners a little bit of context as we jump into our conversation about nonfiction writing and, and writing a book, can you share with us about your own introvert-extrovert journey, um, you know, where you fall on that spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced your path? Yeah, I am a total hardcore introvert, and I think I mentioned to you on in a side of highly sensitive person. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of a ball of complexities, and it's hugely influenced me because I have set it up so that I work at home in total peace and quiet with nobody else around. And you know, I've tried to be at an office, I've tried to work around other people, and I just need copious amounts of alone time so this is how I'm best functional and I love it I love everyday people that say to me don't you get bored being home alone all day every day (laughs) nope I sure do not (laughs) exactly that is just not on the radar no (laughs) yeah well what what I always find interesting is that I, I encounter a lot of introverts who end up building businesses that um actually involve a lot of people, (laughs) you know, or they're, you know, creating and building communities. And you are um, a a shining example of that in the creation of the Nonfiction Authors Association. So what led you to create that? Well, I've been speaking at writers' conferences for a number of years, and I was really frustrated by the lack of attention given to us nonfiction writers. You know, these conferences Mm -hmm. focus heavily on fiction maybe a little bit of memoir, children's books, and as fiction writers are kind of left out in the cold. I was at a conference, the first, very first book I pitched back in 
2004, I was at a conference with 300 people, and I was the only business book writer at the whole conference. Wow. And it actually worked to my advantage because it helped me stand out with the agents and editors that were there. Yeah. But I thought, this is crazy. You know, we need to address this. So that's where the association came from. It started with hosting the Nonfiction Writers Conference um, starting in 2010. And then the people who attended that said, how do we keep in touch? And so Mm -hmm. the association was born. And much to my own surprise, you know, in just three years, we've grown to over 13,000 members. We've got chapters happening across the U.S. We just launched a chapter in Canada. Mm. So uh, clearly there was a need in the market. I wasn't the only one who felt that way. Yeah, absolutely. I even attended my one and only writer's conference (laughs) was back in 2013. And I still felt that. Um, very much in the minority yeah. of being, you know, nonfiction, business oriented, yeah. um, so much emphasis on fiction, um, which is great because I can imagine that's a very, um, that has its own set of challenges. But the, the thing is, at least as far as I can discern, there's there's overlap, but they're very different than what you're going to be um, experiencing as a nonfiction author. That's right. Yeah. Well, to that end, you know, if, if I'm a business owner and I think I, you know, I'm not sure. Like, maybe I have a book in me. I, I just don't know. You know, let's just say it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, how do I know if writing a book would be beneficial? Like, let's say I have the bug and, and I think, hmm, you know, I think, I think I've got one in me. Um, how do you determine if it's something that you should invest all that blood, sweat, and tears in? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I, I have to say I've never known an author to have regretted putting a book together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a first place to think about. I think that we all have our own unique perspective on our, our unique industry. And, you know, you have something to share. And if you think about what are the questions that you ask or, or answer over and over again. Mm. You know, what content are you blogging? If you're blogging, you have a book in you, like, yeah. period. There's content already there. You can blog a whole book if you want to. For people who don't like to write, you can dictate your book. You can work with a ghostwriter. I mean, there's so many ways to get it done. And the other thing is, you know, how you use your book or leverage it in your business is totally up to you. I, I have a, a longtime client He's a financial advisor. He could care less how many copies of his books sell online. Mm-hmm. But what he does is hands a copy to a potential client, and his business is thriving because of that, because of that perceived you know, value and the credibility that, that being an author brings. So mm-hmm. you, know, you have to look at your motives. You have to look at the benefits. Um, but I would say there's very little downside. Yeah. You make a great point about being clear about your intention for writing the book. You know, what are, in, in your experience, what are some different reasons that a business owner might write a book? Like you just named a few. You have a very um, credible business card mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in that case. Yep. What, what are some other reasons that uh, someone might go down this path? A huge motivator with the people that I've worked with over the years is wanting to be speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be a professional speaker, and especially if you want to get paid to speak, um, being an author, absolutely 100% open stores. It helps you get paid. It actually increases your pay scale. There was an article written on, I think, on Media Bistro last week about how keynote speakers get paid, and being an author actually puts you in a higher income level. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a big motivator, that whole thing about getting clients. You know, maybe you want to become a consultant or a coach, or you want to shift the way your business operates. 
that book can help, you know, put you on that path. So there's just so many wonderful reasons to be an author. Yeah. And one thing I noticed that you don't mention is make money from selling books. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's really making money off books. It's actually very, very rare. Yeah. And um, and I definitely would not advise anybody to get into this industry just about the money. I mean, there are exceptions, and there are certainly books that do well. But, you know, on the average, most authors do not earn a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so it really does need – you need to have other – motivations for producing a book. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a, ooh, I'm just going to put this out and the money will start rolling in. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter if you self-publish or traditionally publish. It's it's going to be, um, like you said, about leveraging it um, for other, other revenue streams, which I want to circle back in a few minutes and, and talk about that. Um, one of the questions that comes up the very, one of the very fundamental questions besides, you know, do I want to write a book? Do I, you know, how, what would be my intention is what tr- publishing path do I take? Yeah, great question. So that also depends on what your goals are. You know, some people have this really personal goal that they want to get a traditional book deal. I had that personal goal. And, and so for that reason, you know, you may want to pursue a traditional publisher now, that's not an easy path to take. Um, they pay less than they ever have. You can expect to earn about around a dollar a book, which mm-hmm. is pitiful, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, they take all the control. They do get you on bookstore shelves, but there's another big myth that, oh, they're going to do all the marketing. That's not the case at all. They still expect the author to do the marketing. But I, you know, with all of that said, if that is a goal for you, go for it. You have nothing to lose by preparing your pitch, putting your book proposal together. I think it's an awesome exercise to really get clear about your book and your audience and your marketing plans. Mm -hmm. You know, on the flip side is self-publishing. Self-publishing is easier than ever, but, you know, you have to be careful that you're producing a very professional book that looks like it came straight out of a New York publishing house. That means editing and professional cover design Mm -hmm. and typesetting and ebook formatting and spending some money. You know, you're going to spend eight, ten to fifteen thousand dollars on producing a high quality book, depending on how much editing you go through and all of those things. Personally, I, you know, we also have this term now of hybrid author, where you're traditionally published and you're self-published, yeah. and that's a great mix. Statistically, you will earn more money doing it that way. Um, I am a hybrid author. I've got books that are traditionally published. I have books that are self-published. But I have to tell you, it would take a lot for me to go back to traditional publishing because, you know, as a business owner, many of us are also type A personalities. (laughs) I want Mm -hmm. to control my content. I want to control the production. With the traditional publishers, they can change your title. They can give you a cover you don't like. I had on one of my books, the publisher called and said, we need you to remove a chapter. We don't care which one, but we want to um, cut costs and cut down on page count. Like, are you kidding me, right? So, mm. exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's like, which limb do you want to chop off? I, I find that self-publishing <laughs> is fantastic, but it really does need to be done in the highest quality possible. Yeah. There are also kind of those in-between publishing options that it's particularly coaches and consultants I see doing a lot, and that's, um, I, at least in my um, experience, they call them vanity presses um, or, mm-hmm. or those... Um, and I don't know, Vanity Press is the same as like a very small 
publisher that's not perhaps the the New York publishing house, but they are they are selective. But you're still paying to have your book published. Yeah, I call that custom publishing. Um, okay. And I, you know, if you're going to go that route and have somebody help produce your book, which is a great way to go, um, I definitely favor the smaller firms. They mm-hmm. there's you know they have more at stake. They're going to be more invested in your success. I'm not a big fan of the the big box publishers. You know, I'll put that in quotes mm-hmm. because you know there there's really no quality control. They're churning out books. Just they treat authors like commodities. You're talking to a call center where people have no publishing mm-hmm. experience. So I encourage people to look to smaller custom publishing firms. There are some great companies out there that are really producing wonderful books and care about their success of their authors. Yeah. Do you have any opinions about, um, and I don't even know what else to call them except like compilation books, where you pay to contribute a chapter and you're part of, you know, a bigger a bigger piece, and if if I'm asking a um, controversial question, <laughs> you know, I know people have different feelings about yeah. it. So I, I wondered because, again, you know, I know that's another path that a lot of people will take just to get their name in a book. Yes, and I'll tell you, I'm not a huge fan of the compilation pay-to-play type of model, mm-hmm. um, and that is a controversial statement that I'm making right now. But I have to yeah. say that. You know, uh, the the people who benefit most are the people charging you to put your chapter in that book. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they rarely sell very well. They usually um, don't have a really strong, um, there's not necessarily strong writing throughout, unless there's huge quality control put around that. Um, I personally would never pay to put a chapter in a book mm-hmm. um, that's different than an anthology book like a chicken soup sure. for the soul that has tons of quality and they actually pay you they don't pay you much but they you know you're being recognized for your contribution and that book is being marketed it's not just about how much the person who's compiling it is earning yeah great distinction between those two as part of the association or you know other um, resources if someone wanted to just do a little bit of research about the traditional versus self versus vanity versus the smaller custom presses. Do you have a good resource of where they could start? We do. We have a ton of resources all about that at the association website. Um, the blog's got lots of content, and then our members get access to, we've got a self-publishing checklist, we've got a traditional publishing report, how to get your book published. Um, we've got a report on which custom publishing firm should I choose that helps mm-hmm. you know what to look for and what to avoid. So, yeah, tons and tons of content all around that because those are probably the most common questions that were asked aside from how the heck do I get people to buy my book. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it can be the most confusing. Yes. I appreciate that you've got that, you know, custom. Here are some recommended or, you know, things to, to look for and watch out for because... I, I'm sorry to say, I think there are a lot of people that will take advantage of that confusion, and yeah. um, and you can really find yourself um, out of a lot of money and not much to show for it if you're not careful. So, business, leadership, marketing, you know, all of these broad categories. There's a lot of competition. What can particularly a nonfiction writer do to stand out amongst? the gazillions of titles that are out there? Great question. Um, To me, and I know you're a fan of this too, it's all about your niche. So it's carving out uh, something unique about you and your market. 
you know, are you going to write another general financial advisor book or are you going to write it for divorced single moms? Mm-hmm. You know, can and you've done that very well with your business and the introvert entrepreneur. Find a unique perspective that nobody else is covering or that doesn't have a ton of competition. You know, I was amazed when I got into this whole world of working in nonfiction Nobody was touching it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it was wide open. Yeah. So look in, dig down to those niches and find a way for you to really stand out against all the noise. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I am a total fan of that. <laughs> I love the way you describe that. It's almost impossible to find a niche that is, or a niche that's um, too specific, unless you say, you know, this book is for women named... Lisa born on a full moon on the fifth of the month, you know, (laughs) right? um, because people have a little bit of, um, you know, fear and trepidation about, you know, like, what if the market is too small, but on a planet of 7 billion people, it's unlikely you're going to come up with something that's so specific that it's not going to have some legs. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I remember reading when I was researching the whole traditional versus self that the more niched you were, the more likely that self-publishing might be a better path. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, niche ebooks sell well. Um, There are people who are actually making a living off finding niches in, you know, Kindle and creating short ebooks about those topics. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's definitely um, some advantages there. And, but I'd say traditional publishers are interested in niche too. But probably uh, it would be a smaller press. Like a Random House doesn't want a super niche book. They want to reach a larger audience. Yeah, I know when I was talking with my publisher, you know, it's like they love the niche. And can we make sure that the message is appealing beyond that? Yes. So, you know, focus on that audience and don't, um, not so much don't alienate the others, but through subtle ways, whether it's the back cover copy or the people that you have endorsing it or some of the examples that you have in the chapters, you know, are there ways that you can use those to broaden the appeal without compromising the target market? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of target market and and broadening the appeal and whatnot, you've talked about leveraging the book for other purposes because we're not necessarily going to make money on book sales. That would be, you know, a great icing on the cake, but it's not the cake. Um, What are some different ways that business owners can leverage a book that they've published? Um, Give it away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I work with a a client, Patrick Schwartfeger. He wrote a book on how he became a keynote speaker. It's a really compelling memoir. And a couple weeks back was the big Toastmasters conference. So he went and handed out a thousand copies of his book for free. Here, take my book. And um, I thought it was a really neat strategy. It's, and, you know, it would work even better if he had programs to pull people into, and he does, has, has one. But, you know, if you're wanting to, to use it as a client generation tool, a book is a great, mm-hmm. a great tool for that. And you don't even need to give away the physical copies. You could give it away digitally as well, you know. So I, I've done campaigns. I don't like how Amazon requires exclusive rights if you want to give away your book on Kindle. Yeah. So I did yeah. my own ebook giveaway campaign a number of years ago and I decided that I would set it up and I would have a three day window. You could download my book. It was Own Your Niche is the book. And you could download it for free for three days. And I put out an email to my audience 
and uh, social media announcement. And my goal was to get three to 400 downloads of it, and I got over 1,000 in three days. Nice. With a very little effort. Yeah. And so that added 1,000 people to my mailing list. Yeah. You know, that's pretty valuable. Absolutely. And what I, I've done that same thing where I had that three-day window and gave it away. And what I noticed is that it, it's easier for other people to promote your work when you're giving it away as well. So I could get on social media and say, hey, I'm giving this away. But I sent, you know, an email to like 10 of my colleagues that I was, you know, close to and had that kind of reciprocal champion relationship with and said, hey, you know, this is free for three days. Would you mind sharing it with your network? And they were like, sure, because then they get to offer something for free. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So it was like it was it made it easy for other people to step up. Now, if I had just said, hey, it's on sale. Mm, that's asking other people to like sell for you. And that doesn't feel as good. <laughs> right. But yeah, I agree about that exclusivity thing. That's a whole nother. <laughs> that's a, we could spend, you know, lots of time on any one of these particular topics. We're just kind of touching the, the tip of the iceberg. So I hope anybody listening definitely will go to the association website, the nonprofit. I keep saying nonprofit because I used to work in nonprofits. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like my uh, DNA. Nonfiction Authors Association um, for lots more in-depth on these pieces. Well, I want to wrap up by asking a question that I ask all my guests that I have a feeling um, you are going to find particularly provocative. <laughs> given that your your industry and that's if you're granted a three-week vacation on introvert island and you could only take three books with you what would you take with you and why this is so hard i know this is such a hard question to answer uh, it's like torture um so i would have to start with stephen king's on writing mm. it's I, re- I read a lot of memoir it's my favorite memoir it's just such a great book so inspiring um, another one that I can't stop talking about is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Just such a great book for creative people. And then lastly, Anything and Everything by Wayne Dyer. I'm just a total fan of his, <laughs> of being positive and putting out good in the world. And um, and I'd probably cheat and buy like one of his big compilations of five <laughs> of his books and I'd take that with me. Totally fair. That's, that's on the table. You can do that. <laughs> exactly. And then we always say like if you have something like that, it can serve as a step stool later if you need to reach up for some coconuts or need to defend yourself. You've got, uh, it can do double duty. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have absolutely um, lived that, you know, putting positive things out into the world. And, and I know you've helped thousands and thousands of people. So thank you so much for your generous sharing. And, uh, and I hope maybe we get to have another conversation in the near future just to be able to expand on a couple of things. Because um, I know there's so much here. I'd love that. Well, yeah. between now and then, how can people connect with you and learn more about the Nonfiction Authors Association? Well, visit us over at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com and, you know, take us for a test drive. There's a free membership level and then there's the authority membership. It's $19 a month. And I, I'm really proud of what we're doing. We're putting a lot of content out. We're really focused on educating members. We have an active members-only forum on LinkedIn. We've got the local chapters happening. So, I'm just having so much fun growing this huge tribe of creative, brilliant people. It's it's a blast. Yeah, fun. And do you have, um, I think you had mentioned a um, trial membership period? We do. We have a 14-day trial membership period, okay. and I don't have a secret link to it, but I'll tell you what, if you email me, 
stephanie at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. I will gladly send you the link. It's it's secret. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, good. S- super secret. Okay. And um, and quickly tell us also the names of your books in case people want to find those. Yeah, my most recent books are the nonfiction book Marketing Plan and Own Your Niche, which um, came out, boy, these came out in 2013 and 2012. So, um, mm-hmm. it, but, but they are still selling well and my other ones are older. You don't need to care about those. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All honesty. <laughs> yeah. That's not what we're all about, you know, transparency and honesty. It's like, yeah, don't bother. <laughs> well, very good. Well, I've so enjoyed chatting with you, and uh, and people will be able to access those links um, to those most recent books, <laughs> um, as well as your Introvert Island book selections on the show notes that are posted on the introvertentrepreneur.com website. So um, thanks, Stephanie, for your generosity and your transparency and for all that you do for nonfiction authors. Hey, Beth, thank you. My pleasure. While I was familiar with Stephanie's work and the Nonfiction Authors Association prior to publishing my own book, I have to admit I did not take it full advantage of everything that she offers to the extent that I wish I had. But it's never too late. It's not too late for me, and it's certainly not too late for you. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey to becoming an author. There's always something to learn and to change and implement that can create more success and satisfaction from the process. And Stephanie and I had so much fun chatting. She was gracious enough to invite me to join her for a teleseminar on the Nonfiction Authors Association website to talk about the relationship between your book and your business. That teleseminar is um, airing in mid-October, and you can learn more by visiting the Nonfiction Authors Association website. And I've included that link in the show notes. I cannot end this episode about being an author without a quick reminder that my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and wherever fine books are sold on and offline. Thank you so much to everyone who has gotten their copy and shared it online and posted a review. It truly does mean the world to me. And sometime in the near future, I'm planning to do an episode about my personal experience of getting that book published. It will be a tale of encouragement, caution, patience, and celebration. And I look forward to sharing that in the near future. If you want to learn more about the book, my coaching services, mastermind groups, and virtual book groups that are all offered through The Introvert Entrepreneur, you can visit my website, which is, you guessed it, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with friends and colleagues and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whichever platform you access it from. Your review will help someone else discover this podcast, so I really appreciate your consideration. Thank you so much to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, both of whom have weathered the Mercury and retrograde phenomenon that we're going through right now with ease and grace. I am appreciative to them, and I'm appreciative for you spending this time with me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>